in. It's time for The Rush with OU color analyst Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got a question or opinion? Hit the guys up at 405-651-3439. Or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. I, for one, don't really believe in individual statutes. It's just, it's contrary to my thought process because when I think of an individual player being bronzed and put on a campus, and by the way, Oklahoma does it for all of their Heisman Trophy winners. All seven guys have statues outside of that beautiful stadium there in Norman, Oklahoma. It's what they do. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's impossible to win the Heisman by yourself. So if you are going to immortalize a specific individual, I think it must come with recognition that, hey man, there were 120 so odd teammates that helped get him to that position. So I'm not one for Heisman Trophy statues. It's, It's not my thing, never has been, never will be. Well, there is Greg McElroy talking about individual statues, doesn't believe in it, um, says that, you know, there's 120 other players on the team that are behind that player winning that Heisman Trophy, which, hey, that is 100% true. But every time you hear a guy talk about it, what's the first thing they say? They they thank their teammates. They talk about the coaching staff and everyone that helped get them uh, to that level to win the win the award and and to end up being honored the way that they are. So, um, not a shock that that take comes from McElroy, but yeah. I, I, I wish there could be an alternate universe where Greg McElroy is more of a game man, more than just a game manager at the college level. He's an elite quarterback, right. and see if he would turn down the opportunity at a statue at, uh, at 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 a school of his choosing. I bet he wouldn't. I bet he wouldn't say, "Well, guys, I just I don't believe in these individual statues. If you're gonna put a statue up of me, you got to put one up of everyone." I bet Greg McElroy wouldn't say that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Some guys may say it, but deep down, you know that they don't really believe it. What years was he? Was he there when they won it? No, seven. Oh, uh, two thousand nine. He was. He was there. Two thousand nine okay. was his junior year, and then twenty ten was his last year at Bama. They lost to Cam Newton, which he said uh, people can't win Heisman trophies by themselves. I was like, I don't. I mean, maybe not, but Cam Newton got pretty close that year in two thousand ten. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, it's just a it's just a weird it's a weird take. Uh, who cares? How can you be against that? Yeah, I mean, pretty much everyone would be happy with guys being honored at their school. Like, okay, I get it. Maybe you don't care about someone else doing it at their school, which I totally understand, but. Like the thought of someone doing it at your school, like don't you think 
Like they had their what was their first Heisman Trophy win uh, for Alabama? Was Mark it, Ingram? Um, yeah, maybe that's why he's a little bit jelly since it took uh, Mark Ingram so long right. to to win a Heisman Trophy. I don't know. Hey, I saw a lot of photos last weekend. I saw a lot of those guys at Yo Pablo after the game, and none of the members of the 2018 offense looked too bummed that Kyler Murray was the one uh, getting a statue on campus. In fact, right. it was the exact opposite. And that's the thing is. He almost takes it as a slight to the other players, but how does he know a lot of those guys, if not all those guys, take pride in, yeah, we played with that guy, we helped that guy win a Heisman Trophy, and now he's got a, a statue that'll be uh, forever uh, immortalized on campus. I, I don't, right. just, just a weird take. But like you said, a weird take from Greg McElroy. Barry Sanders can say something like that because, you know, he won a Heisman Trophy. For G- Greg McElroy to say that, who would put a statue up of him, it's, it's a bit odd. His numbers are actually pretty good. His last year in 2010, he had 71% completion percentage, right at 3,000 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions. Pretty salty. Yeah. For a team that was, you know, and and that's really pretty. Julio Jones to throw to that year, so. Yeah. Must be nice. That's true. He He had a bunch of studs around him, but. Those numbers are actually pretty good. His two years starting, he threw for uh, 17 touchdowns, four interceptions, and then 20 touchdowns, five interceptions. So, took care of the football, Tyler, a.k.a. Game manager. (laughs) Maybe that's what OU fans can do to troll Greg McElroy. Get uh, number uh, 12 jerseys and put game manager on the back of it or something like that. Um, I'll read these texts, and then we'll move on to something else OU football-related. Just want to give – Everyone their chance to get their uh, shot read on Greg McElroy. No general ever won a battle by himself, yet they get statues, says David and Norman. Sure. 405, sounds like everyone should get a trophy. 417, his perspective makes no sense. And why in the heck do they have a Heisman Trophy ceremony then? Hmm. Well, yeah, there's, there's an individual award for every position group for by offense and defense like just kind of mvp ish there's um you know individual awards for walk on who's the best walk i mean there's all kinds of stuff it's just a weird it's just a random weird take out of nowhere out of what the mailbag or something a random question and and he says he's against it Greg from Lawton, spoken like a true loser. Gunny says it's because he's a jelly little bee. Tommy says, man, these dudes can't keep OU out of their mouth. Uh, 918, he wasn't even good enough to be in the conversation for the Heisman. Brent from Jink, sounds like he doesn't believe in the Heisman Award since it's an individual award. Or maybe he's just jealous. What a punk. Uh, Camel Suter says there's a Bear Bryant statue at Bama. Pretty sure he didn't win all those games by himself. What a stupid take. There you go. Yeah. And um, I think mission accomplished for McElroy by stirring up the OU fan base. I guess. I mean, some people like to take the path where everyone calls them an idiot. Um, So be it, I guess. Yeah, sure. It gets you you downloads and page views, but (laughs) I don't know how much fun that really is. So I asked for the uh, input of – I asked for yours and Toby's and Parker's input yesterday 
for the uh, best win since 2010. And I averaged out, like, my thoughts, your thoughts, Toby's thoughts, and Parker's thoughts. And I posted it on uh, the Ref Twitter page today. Top eight OU football wins since 2010. Text line, tell me where we missed. Teddy, you tell me where uh, we missed on this as well. The best win since 2010 was the 2021 OU-Texas game. OU 55, Texas 48. OU Mm -hmm. rallies from 28-7 down. Number two was the OU-Tennessee game in 2015. Number three was the win in the shoe. OU 31, Ohio State 16 in 2017. Number four was OU beating Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, 45-31. Number five was OU beating Texas in the Big 12 championship game with Kyler in 2018, 39-27. Number six was OU beating Baylor and Waco, the big comeback, 34-31 with Jalen Hurts in 2019. Mm -hmm. Number seven was the win at number five, Florida State, top five win, OU 23, Florida State 13 in Tallahassee. Number eight was the four-overtime win at OU Texas in 2020, 53-45. Did we miss there anywhere? Is it dead on balls Uh, accurate? I don't think so. The only game that I was not at, or and I didn't even see it, was FSU in 2011. 2011. So... That's the only one I really can't comment on. But it's but, a top five road win. It kind of speaks for itself there. Like top five right. road wins, they don't happen yes. all the time. It kind of has to be the top eight in my opinion. Um, there's there's some interesting games that like, I, I, I agree with all those. I think those are, those are fine. The, the 2020 game against OU Texas – is number eight on the list, but had that game been a normal capacity football game at at the Cotton Bowl, I think it would have been probably top three or four. At least top but five. Did, it, it, it would have taken yeah. over that OU Texas Big 12 championship game more than likely. Yeah, because you, you just, you didn't, like all of these other games, most of them are like just. Like you, you feed off of the crowd, right? As both players and as as fans, like the louder, the crazier it gets, the the more entertaining it is. So, yeah, that's the only one that I would say is is maybe too low. Uh, Mark Desher, our own Mark Desher, says 2016 Tech has to be on the list, and I'm just so disappointed in him right now. That was not a good win. That was not, I don't I don't look at that as a great win. It's a game that's still talked about. That Patrick Mahomes Baker Mayfield game, but right, I well, uh, that's you know, and, and that's one of the ones that I was going to say is that was a crazy game. Like that one had a little bit different feel to it. See, I, because I was going to say the OU West Virginia game in 2012. Yeah, and here's the difference. Or in 2018 the, the, was good, too. The, the West Virginia game in 2012, at no point until the final, I guess it wasn't necessarily the final, well, yeah, well, yeah even the final play of the game. I, I didn't think OU was going to win that game. No, Teddy, Just, they, they threw a slant to Kenny Steele's on fourth down to score a touchdown to go up by one, 
but there were still like 30 some odd seconds left. It was all right. Well, like we they're going to score. Can we score in 16 seconds when they when they get the ball back? Hopefully, we can. Right. It's like we got to kick off to to Tavon Austin. This is this is crazy. But the difference is like the OU OU Tech game in 2016. At no point in that game did I ever feel like OU was going to lose. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it was just a yeah, but it was still highly. Dynamic. It was still just frustrating the entire night. It was frustrating. Yes. Yeah. I was like, we're going to win the game, but it's just it's going to be a, a an ugly mess. We may win it by, uh, you know, one point, whatever we have to do to get it done in the end. But I'm not worried about us losing it. But the West Virginia situation was totally different. At no point did I consider putting that 2016 Tech game in the top eight just because I view it as, right. I mean, a great night offensively, but one of the worst nights in program history offensive, or defensively. So yeah. I, I couldn't get there. One that really like – here, here's the thing with that top eight is there's some other good candidates. Winning in South Bend was great. Winning in Waco in 2015. Winning Bedlam in 2017, Baker and Mason Rudolph. I mean, Baker's statue is the stiff arm play, right? Um, yeah. But you got to take one of those eight off, and there's just not an obvious one that doesn't belong there. But that 2013 win in Stillwater and Bedlam is, I mean, that's about as honorable mention as it gets. Like, that that might be number nine if we extended out the list. How many times in Bedlam history has OU, mm. or has OSU been a double-digit favorite? Not very many times. OSU was a 10-point favorite that day in Stillwater. All they had to do was beat OU on their home field, their Big 12 champs. OU plays three quarterbacks that day, and they still figure out a way to win the game. I mean, that was an incredible, an incredible win in Bedlam in 2013. Who ended up winning the Big 12 that year? Was it OU? Baylor. No, Baylor ended up winning the Big 12 that year. And I think they ended up getting beat by Blake Bortles and UCF in the uh, yeah, like the Fiesta right. Bowl or something that season. They got ran, didn't they? I think so. In that game, um, I, there's there's been a bunch of really good Bedlam games. Um, the the 2013 one was great. 2012 was the awesome. 2012 was that the overtime game yeah. in Norman? Yeah. 2012 Bedlam was great. Um, the did you you mentioned the six twenty six was it sixteen twenty sixteen sixteen oh you won pretty comfortably seventeen was that game in Stillwater where yeah that was know, a good one yeah that was a that was a great eighteen was a great one eighteen was a closer game than seventeen was oh that was the two point conversion yeah one, right? yeah yeah uh, twenty ten was epic back and forth game at the end like I mean OU has managed to find a way to rip their hearts out in most of those games in pretty epic fashion but. There's been, in terms of like epic games against another conference member in the past 15 years or so, you probably have more of those with OSU than anyone else off the top of my head. Texas here recently, outside of last year, has been pretty good, but you want to go back to 15 years, so there's a lot of those Bedlam games that have been, you know, come down to the final two minutes or so. Right, yeah, no, there's been some good ones. The, here is a, probably an unpopular take. Uh oh, the Notre ga- the Notre Dame game in 2013 to me is not anywhere close to being on the list. I didn't consider it. I didn't. I didn't really consider that one either. To be honest with you, was the Notre game, Dame was it, Notre Dame even good that year? They no, they weren't as good because they, they went to the national championship in 2012. 
But the game was over in like in the first three minutes. Like we scored two touchdowns, I think, and seriously, I think maybe like the second or third play of the game. Yeah. Notre Dame on offense, like had we had a sack fumble or an interception or something for a defensive touchdown. And then I think we forced them to punt after we kicked off, and I think we went run, went right back down and scored again and totally controlled that game the entire day. So it was ne- there was never really – I guess maybe in the third quarter they got into it a little bit, their fan base got into it a little bit, but it just – it 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 didn't have – It felt, a yeah, OU took control early and Notre Dame hit some big runs that day, but it kind of always felt like OU was going to win that game, and they did. Yep. By the way, Notre Dame that year, they uh, they didn't win a single game. They were 0-4 because their nine wins were uh, vacated. I don't know why. I don't remember what, what happened to them, but all nine wins were vacated. Really? So, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know what Brian Kelly did. Dang. Did, did, he, did wow. the wins get vacated for screaming multiple F-bombs on the sidelines at the time? I, I, I don't know. But the record shows that that Notre Dame team was 0-4 that season. Wow. Um, Fallout from the uh, Manti Teo situation a year uh, previous, perhaps. I don't know. Um, I didn't. I, I guess I did know that. I just can't remember what it what it was. And I don't care. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm at this question is to you. I'm actually going to answer it for you because I think it's pretty obvious. What was Teddy's favorite Bedlam game he played in? Rhino and Broken Arrow. Actually, I won't speak for you. I'll speak for your dad who I believe said the 03 Bedlam game was his most favorite game that he already he watched you play at OU. He said it was the most satisfying win <laughs> ever. And, uh, and that's right. 2000 was, was crazy, too. I mean, that, was, oh, that game was geez. wild. They're throwing into the end zone to ruin the national championship, which, you know, whew, good thing we got out of there a lot. But, yeah, 2003. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out at Sooner Station today. you got to come check this place out. Really, really cool. Uh, Brand-new senior living community right here in Norman over at the University of North Park. Several different floor plans. All kinds of great amenities and extras. Really, really cool. Uh, We'll be back. Stay tuned. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. How good does it feel to shop Lander Chevrolet of Norman? Huge savings are back good, like $5,000 off and 3.9% financing for 60 months. Early detection gave us time to make a plan. My sister and I were there for mom and each other. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. It's the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman taking you into the weekend. It's time for our Under the Radar segment brought to you by Boyd Street Ventures. Boyd Street Ventures is a venture capital firm that provides funding and guidance for promising Under the Radar Sooner startups. Learn how you can help support OU innovation at BoydStreetVentures.com. How about this for an Under the Radar player from last weekend? DJ Graham led all the receivers in receiving yards. Two catches really? and 74 yards. Yeah, I, did, just, I didn't notice that until I, I was going to bring up DJ Graham, went back and double-checked his numbers. It was, oh, he led the team in receiving yards. Okay, I don't know how I didn't realize that, but here we are. That's why it's under the radar. How should we handicap DJ Graham's odds to be a major uh, contributor in this passing game next year? 
Saturday change anything? It's hard to say. I mean, he's incredibly athletic, and I think you saw that on that comeback he ran where he spun, like did the little fake spin towards the sideline and then came back towards the field and and uh, and made a ni- really nice play. I, that was awesome. So in my just from what I've seen, and I'm obviously I've got a small sample size. I've got a handful of practices. I've got the spring game. And, and, you know, I'm not going off of anything that the coaches have, have talked about or anything, but um, I, I would say he's right there. I, there's not anyone else out there that has uh, any more production, right, or, or that much more production. I think, he, I think he's got tons of tools. I think he's, he's fast, he's athletic, he's explosive. Um, I imagine his time playing defense would, would – lead you to believe that he can be an aggressive blocker on some of the at the line of scrimmage stuff and convoying downfield but i don't know i just know it's a it's a packed room with a lot of uh potential and talent but i think he fits right in there with anyone i it's not like he's he's an outlier and isn't as athletic as some of the other guys that are getting opportunities i don't know how many balls he's dropped in practice i don't know how many uh, assignments that he's messed up, but if you just go off of like skill, potential, athleticism, I feel like he's right there in the pack. Uh, I'm, I know that development happened at that position throughout the spring, but in terms of you know who are their main guys, I almost feel like we're in a very similar place now as we were before the spring, and that's probably going to be the case going into training camp. And I'm sure some guys – a whole lot, right? Yeah, I mean, just like from my perspective, someone that's not there at practice every day, like not a whole lot was really cleared up at wide receiver. Like Nick Anderson, it sounded like he had a good spring, but, well, he's, he's dinged up again, right? Andrew Anthony, it sounds like he did some good things. Okay, but did he emerge as clearly one of the best two wide receivers? I, I, I don't know. I almost feel like we're in a very similar place with the wide receivers as we were two months ago. And yeah. training camp is going to ultimately determine who what their starting rotation looks like. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know, there's some frustration with that, but also it, like I said, it's a small sample size. We didn't get to see the whole practice. I'm sure if you put all of the practice tape together and you know grade it, go off of you know assignments, mental bust, drops, all of that. The coaches probably have um, not just an idea. They're probably, you know, at a 90% mark of who's going to get the majority of the reps. I would hope reps. so, and, yeah. I, and I, I, don't know, I don't know who that, who that is necessarily, but I know they like Andrell Anthony. I know they like uh, Freeman and Stoops and Farouk. And I know that Nick Anderson is the – he, he's the guy on the team that right now has the best chance of being what you would call a elite, like a, a top 15 type of draft pick. Like the, the Quentin Johnston kid from TCU that went, what, 17, 18 last night or Chargers, something like that. Yeah. Um, like he's, that's the type, that's the comp with him. He, he's, he's Quentin Johnston. He's, he's these elite type of wide receivers across the country. But kid hadn't caught a ball in a game yet. 
At least I don't think he has. Did well, he got a he got a touch know. in the bowl game, but did that count as a catch or was that just an end around? I can't I remember know. which one. He's he he has carried the ball one time in a game this year or in his career. How about that? So that's I mean that's what I'm saying is uh, he's he's elite, but I, it has to it has to turn into production. And I and I think it will. He's still incredibly young. He's going to be a redshirt freshman. Um, you know, has plenty of time to get healthy for the season. So, I'm all I'm saying is, we're getting close. We're we're teetering, teetering close to to all of a sudden starting to lose some faith uh, that he can stay healthy. Not in not in the potential. Not in. Uh, how good he can be because there's there is no limit on that it's just is he is it is the talent is the potential ever going to be um actually revealed sure are we going to see it uh happen that's that's the worry john from bartlesville says make sure he's out there with davis bevel if he has to take the field again bevel to graham the most dynamic uh connection at the spring game other than Arnold and I Freeman. I thought Bevel looked good. I thought he, he had, had a couple and, of really nice throws. And good for him, honestly. Good. I mean, it, good it doesn't, for him, but I, it doesn't change. I feel bad for the guy. Play. Yeah, sorry. I feel I feel bad for the guy that, uh, unfortunately, he's. It doesn't matter if he would have thrown for 350 yards in the spring game. Um, the nature of the beast, again, unfortunately, is that. Everyone's got their mind made up on on who he can and can't be. But and the only thing that could change uh, everyone's minds is for him to play in next year's Texas game and win it this win time it. around. But I don't think that he's going to have that opportunity this time around. Uh, that's our under the radar segment brought to you by Board Street Ventures. Board Street Ventures is a venture capital firm that provides funding and guidance for promising under-the-radar sooner startups. Learn how you can help support OU innovation at BoardStreetVentures.com. The joke today is that Casey Thompson is in the portal. No, that's not a joke. That is yeah. a real thing. But the joke amongst OU fans is, well, the obvious move for Casey Thompson is to go to Oklahoma State. He's played against OU as a Texas Longhorn. He's played against OU as a Nebraska Cornhusker. Why doesn't he make it the trifecta and transfer to OSU and be their starting quarterback and play in the Bedlam game? Which would be pretty yeah. amazing and would be funny. Uh, it sounds like Auburn is the favorite, though, to land uh, Casey Thompson. Uh, well, yeah. I was going to say, like, if if he keeps trying to beat Oklahoma, he needs to go play at Kansas State or something. Oh, right? Well, yeah. uh, don't, don't, get, don't see him in the regular season, but the joke still hits. It's still, it yeah. still hits, unfortunately. Yeah, talk about the, uh, the difference of his two starts against OU. His, his, start, his first start against OU was – I know they lost, but arguably one of the best games of his college career. The second one, not so one much. Of, did he throw five touchdowns? It's probably his greatest start in his college career. The the second yeah. one last year not did not go as well. Yeah. Well, didn't have uh, didn't have anywhere close to the same team, but you know, and that and that was tough for him. But hopefully, he finds some success if he goes to uh, Auburn. Sure. They'll have some offensive success there. Um, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, who would you rather have, the Thompson kid or the Buckner kid from Notre Dame? Um, <laughs> I probably 
I mean, I guess Casey Thompson. I, I, I at least I've seen him. I've seen Casey Thompson have a game where it was whoa, he throws the deep ball well. Like I, I I've seen yeah. him play a game where there's at least one trait in his game that I say, dang, that looks pretty good. That has not happened yet with Tyler Buckner. Um, have not seen that yet. Hey, you give you give the Thompson kid one of the best offensive lines in college football. Um, an incredible backfield and super talented receivers. I think he could actually be really good. I think a lot of guys could be really good in, in those circumstances, but unfortunately in college football, um, only a handful of quarterbacks actually get that. Everyone else has to, you know, to some degree or another run for their lives on, on the field. Uh, so yeah, we'll I mean, see. It, it, like if you think about the good things that he did against OU, including last year, like I only remember one good throw that he made against OU last year, but it was the deep ball, the first touchdown of the game. Yeah, you know, I like he, he throws a good deep he ball. Throws, no he throws a very good deep ball. I don't know how well he does anything else as a thrower, but that deep ball looks it looks good, man. He didn't miss very many of those against OU in either start. Hey, if McElroy can win a national championship with Alabama, I think uh, the Thompson kid could at least be the number compete, one overall pick. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. All right, we got to hit a timeout. Quick break. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out today at Sooner Station. And by the way, um, they're a big sponsor of the OU Alumni Association. Some of the stuff that they have going on here. They have a speaker series where monthly lectures are given here from OU professors and on various topics. They do field trips, coordinated trips to OU campus for game day and, and different events there. Uh, and you get really good access to all of the OU uh, um, Alumni Association events that are going on throughout the year, Boomer Bash, uh, Medallion Club events, and all other kinds of great stuff. So come see us here at Sooner Station. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. How good does it feel to shop Lander Chevrolet of Norman? Huge savings are back good, like $5,000 off and 3.9% financing for 60 months on 2023 Silverado Crew Caps. Or take a total of 62 West Yalagosny Law is bringing you what caught Teddy's eye. When you call a law firm, do you want to actually talk to a lawyer? At WIG Communication is a priority. West Yalagosny Law, 405-800-8080. That's 405-800-8080. Let's get to it. Story number one is? Well, everyone was watching the draft last night, obviously. Um, a couple of things happened that were interesting. Number one, did you see that? Uh, obviously, Will Levis didn't get picked in the first round, and I guess he had over a 90% chance to be drafted in the first round. Didn't get drafted. Um, and now, Tyler, he will not be at the second night, so he will not be there and uh, has left town, which I don't blame him, but uh, – News nonetheless. What's up with those dorky numbers they had on the screen last night? 0.1% chance to be available by the 25th pick. How do you know? Like, how, don't. How, how do you stupid. know who's going to trade up? How do you, I mean, that's just, it's, it's so stupid. Like, you can put analytics in an NFL draft. I don't think it really works that way. Yeah, that was, uh, 
but that was odd. I was thinking the same thing, like, well, he may have a 0% chance or a 100% chance. Like, you, you, you can't even quantify that. But uh, I hated watching that. It's, it's kind of a – it's like a it, – it, 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 like, exemplifies where we are as a society, right, to where the biggest story of the draft night is that we're able to watch in real time as a guy that was thought to go high doesn't go high, and we can all point and laugh at his misery, right? Isn't See, it weird? Uh, yeah, it is weird. I don't point and laugh. I feel f- bad for the guy. Now, I do too. the guy's still going to make a lot of money. He's going to play quarterback in the NFL, so maybe I shouldn't feel too bad, but I do feel bad in the sense that the camera just kept it was just kept being pointed at him last night. It's like God, yeah. get it away, go go somewhere else. Alex Jimenez, one of our uh, one of our uh, loyal listeners, sent us this today, and I guess uh, Will Levis said this before the draft, which makes me feel even more bad for him. If I get invited, and like if I know like I'll be a pretty high pick, I'll definitely go. I'm I'm looking forward to going, but um, I don't want to go if if like I could be like a second round pick. You know, you don't want to be that. <laughs> don't want to have the camera just on you all day. <laughs> said that before the draft, and that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened, Um, which, you know, that's why I would never go. And not only would I not go, I wouldn't even have a a party or a camera at my house. Um, Absolutely not. So that was uh, that was pretty wild how that went down. Now, did you see the uh, did you see the Van Ness kid from? Iowa. Iowa, yeah, I did. I think a lot of people also noticed what else was in that room. Wait, wait, wait was he the guy that was drafted and they had to pull his buddy off of him for the camera shot? Yes. Okay, yeah, yes. I definitely yeah. remember that one. They had to pull his buddy off of him in the camera shot. I think everyone was there, there was wasted. But also, his, you know, in the, in the excitement, everyone's hugging and high-fiving, and his, his girlfriend goes over and hugs his dad, and the dad – gives a little you know double tap to the uh the rear end section <laughs> and you know obviously someone notices it uh, and like screenshots the video and uh, is like hey, hey check out vanessa's dad uh and and his girlfriend i just i wonder what that what his dad is dealing with today oh there's no mom. telling there's no telling. Oh, was it any more awkward than the whole C.D. Lamb uh, first-round draft thing, taking his phone away from his girlfriend at the time two years ago? Uh, you get caught doing something during the draft while you're waiting to get selected. It goes viral in a hurry. Yeah, well, it wasn't anywhere near as awkward as that. Uh, that was uh, that was the most awkward moment ever. But, hey, it was great. It, it turned into um, – and it turned into quite the moment. That's all I've got. Uh, well, Tom Brady has figured something out, how he wants to approach huh. things now that he is enjoying retirement. And, Teddy, Tom Brady is done. Tom Brady is done dating models. He says that really? he wants his next flame to be a conservative, a conservative traditional woman after his tumbled marriage to the Brazilian bombshell insiders close to the star athlete claim. 
after Giselle, Tom is done with models, one source alleged, claiming there is more than one reason he wants to pursue someone with a low-key career down the line. Giselle still knows everyone in the modeling industry, and the last thing he needs is his ex-wife involved in his future love life. So, Tom Brady saying, no more, I'm done with it, I will date in the future, but they will not be a model. (laughs) Well, um... Here's the thing. You just, I, I get where Tom Brady's coming from on this, but you never know. You never know who the next person is going to be, who you may fall in love with. So I think he'll be just be- fine. But yeah, be- best of luck to him. <laughs> uh, uh, prayers up for Tom Brady that he, uh, that right. he finds someone. Illinois Chancellor Robert Jones uh, tells The Athletic, quote, The notion of expansion is not really at the top of our list at the moment. That's an honest answer. We're only going to do what's best for our current membership. There has to be some value added for expanding beyond. So according to the, uh, to an Illinois chancellor, which he's pretty, uh, I think he's also like the uh, big 10 council of presidents and chancellors. He's leading on that. There's not going to be any imminent expansion with the uh, big 10 anytime soon. Okay, good. I was about to say, uh, why in the hell is the Illinois chancellor of all people speaking for the entire Big Ten as to what they may or may not do? And then uh, you wrapped it up there with the end of the uh, the news. Yeah, please. he went on to say that the uh, Big Ten is the nation's uh, premier athletic conference and that the commissioner's job is the most important most visible and most sought-after leadership role in all of intercollegiate athletics. And you know the internet had fun with that. Uh, one individual... Okay. I'm right back to where I originally thought yeah. I was whenever we were talking to the Illinois Chancellor. One individual <laughs> said uh, this, which is amazing. The Big Ten is the McDonald's of college football conferences. Money, <laughs> notoriety, brand awareness, but doesn't win any awards. Hashtag Big Ten. Mm. There you go. <laughs> it's like, wow, there's a, there's a lot of truth to that. Last one I saw, and I was a sucker today, man. I clicked on a mock draft for not this year, but for next year, just to see what asinine takes they would have in there. And, oh, buddy, they had some. Uh, Quinn Ewers was mocked as the number 12 overall pick in the 2024 mock draft I read today from 24-7 Sports. Quinn Ewers at 12, Xavier Worthy at 13, and just Jatavian Sanders at 17. So Texas has one uh, offensive player in the first round in the past 15 years, and now all of a sudden we think that they're going to have three in the top 20 in next year's draft. Quinn Ewers at 12, LOL on that one. Huh. Boy, they must think that Texas is going to take the SEC by storm in 2024 no that's a mock oh, no, draft oh, okay. yeah, yeah last yeah, year yeah. in the big 12 oh, okay, yeah, yeah. take the big 12 yeah, by storm yeah, yeah. next year this year okay yeah, yeah yeah i don't know why i was thinking next year um well we'll see um i i'm not gonna say that that he he can't do that i would just say that right I now will. i will i'll say that I I don't feel very strongly that that he's going to be a top, top 15, 15 pick first wow. round pick. Who the guy he threw for 2100 yards last year on 300 attempts. Um 58% completion. Just he's he 
he's not even average yet. Could get there, and I think he'll be better, but he's not even average yet. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We will wrap up our number two next here from Sooner Station. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. How good does it feel to shop Landers Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Norman? Huge savings are back good, like $8,000 off the 2022 Jeep Grand Cherokee or $6,800 off the 2022 Renegade and $5,500 off the 2022 Compass during the Jeep Celebration event. Plus, you always get on... Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number two of the rush. Round two of the NFL draft coming your way tonight. Anton Harrison off the board last night in the first round to the Jacksonville Jags. Uh, Best chance to come off the board first tonight. Is it Marvin Mims? Eric Gray? Kind of feels like it would be Mims. Mims and then Gray most likely to me. I think the order is Mims... And I think it might be Wanye Morris uh, and then Gray. Yeah, I haven't seen – I don't. I haven't looked a whole lot of mocks this year for whatever reason. I don't know. I haven't really seen where Wanye Morris has been mocked. Is it pretty – I it, haven't either. I, I, I would I, guess it's a little all over the board with him, but I don't know. Yeah, I, but I know that the um, the teams loved him and loved what they saw from him at the senior bowl. Um, so I, it's hard to say, but he plays a premium position, um, running back when it comes to draft, I would not say is a premium position. So I, Eric Gray, don't tell the Falcons that. Don't tell the Falcons that. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you've got a guy like that, you, you can't really knock him. But that, that's just that's kind of an outlier now. You only see maybe one guy like that every year, every other year. Okay, well, don't tell the Lions so, that then. That may have been. I can understand B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, that high was like, whew. I don't think a whole lot of people in Detroit like that one last night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I, I, Mims, I think, uh, I think he'll be in the second round, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the, in the top half of the second round. And then um, Wanye Morris is the next guy after that. I would say, for me, perhaps late second, early third for Wanye Morris. And I just – I never know with running back. I, it, Eric Gray could go in the second round. He could go in the fourth round. It's just – it's hard to – it's hard to really say where running backs are going to go. Uh, this was about 45 minutes ago when we were making fun of Greg McElroy, but I think it still plays. Mark in Newcastle, McElroy and Chris Sims cross streams together in a stadium urinal trough. That is very uh, specific <laughs> there. Uh, Teddy would be the Skaronsky kid. He got picked in the first round but didn't have any cameras or anything because he was eating uh, dinner with his family, didn't even care. I didn't see that. That's amazing. Who I, is that? Oh, that's the uh, lineman? Yeah, the, the Northwestern, right? Um, yeah. I'm rooting for him now. That's amazing. That sounds yeah, like something in uh, the 60s, like the Major League Baseball draft. They were out fishing and had no idea they got drafted. Right. That's that's exactly how uh, I would be correct. Um, I'm looking at an ESPN, like, best available for round two. It's got Will Levis as number one. It doesn't have Mims anywhere here on this on this list for the second round. 
What about so, uh, Tommy Adabare? Is he anywhere on that list? I think second uh, round could uh, be, be good for him tonight. I don't see him. Um, yeah, he's um, he's the 22nd pick of the second round. is where they, Or the 22nd best available is, I guess, what that is. That's not necessarily a, a mock as to where they may go. It's just he's the 22nd be- left uh, available. So there you go. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We got the final hour coming up next here from Sooner Station. Stay tuned.